This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by 23andMe. Now through December 26th, get up to $50 off each 23andMe DNA kit. Give the ultimate personalized gift by going to 23andMe.com slash fool. And thanks to Slack for supporting The Motley Fool. Slack is a messaging app which brings together all of your team's communications in one place, making work simpler and more productive. Go to www.slack.com to learn more. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. This is our year ahead look-in show. We're going to look at the year ahead. I'm going to be joined in a little while by three guests, three of my favorite fools drawn from around the sphere, if that's a word which it isn't really, but I just did for that one sentence. By the way, when a word is used only once in published history, this is one of my favorite terms. It's a hapax legomenon. You can look it up. If you've never looked that up, H-A-P-A-X-L-E-G-O-M-E-N-O-N, when you can only ever find one use of a word in all published history, it's a Hapax legomenon. And by the way, if somebody then does it a second time, they kill the whole Hapax vibe. So, so far as I know, Fulosphere might be a Hapax legomenon. Oops. Rick Engdahl, my producer, just pointed out I killed it by repeating it. Now, that's right. We are going to be looking at the year ahead. What a year it's been, 2017, for investors. And in fact, I want to start there because a year ago on this podcast, it was the December 7th, 2016. Rule Breaker Investing Podcast. It was entitled, Five Stocks to Put Under the Tree. Well, as you know, it's my habit to go back a year or two or three later and look at how we did. Because in addition to opining or predicting or investing, I like to score, I know you know this about me, and I like to go back and check the score and reflect and learn. In fact, I was looking over the stats, and this will be the seventh group of stocks, five stock samplers, I call them, the seventh one that we're now reviewing a year or more later. I'm happy to say the first six have aged well. I'm six for six in beating the market with those five stock samplers. How did we do with five stocks to put under the tree? By the way, I hope you maybe did think of putting these stocks under the tree. Not to foreshadow the results I'm about to put out there, but I hope you did think about putting a gift under the tree, especially for a child. One of those gifts that can keep on giving, the gift of common stock, the gift of shares, the gift of a little account you open up for that child and put some stock market shares in it. In fact, listening back to last year's podcast, I do recommend it. I thought it was a fun overall 30 minutes or so. Looking back over it, I was talking about three categories of gifts. The first category is stuff, and that's what normally we wrap up and put under trees or hand to people, just giving gifts, something boxed, stuff. Category two, experiences. Talked about that a little bit on our gift-giving special last week. My brother Tom especially talked about how we were raised as kids to think it's good to give experiences, so maybe tickets to a play, let's say, or something that you can experience with others as a gift. That's category two. But then last year, I mentioned category three, and that's when you give a gift that keeps on giving, a gift that grows in value over time. And it's not to hold any one of those categories out as particularly good or overrated. Not any one of them is that 
it's that mix of those three categories, I think, that can make a very fully rounded gift-giving experience and holiday season for those connected to us. So, I like all three of those, but of those three categories, the idea of giving stock to somebody, that's relatively invisible and much lesser known, but boy, can it be rewarding. So, yes, a year ago, on this podcast, I put forward five stocks that you might put under the tree, especially for the kids in your life. And there were a couple of traits shared by each of these five stocks. The first is that they are each explainable to kids. Because after all, if you're going to put something underneath the tree that was in place of, let's say, a video game or a toy from Hasbro, and your child opens it up and it just says, a share of Apple, that probably doesn't have the wow factor in place that you you especially want as a kid. So, you need to make sure if you are going to give stock to kids, make them explainable stocks. Each of these stocks had three things that your kids could learn from it as I went over these in last year's podcast. Lessons that you can teach in or around them through the act of giving these stocks because kids are going to recognize them. And that's the second trait to these stocks. There's a little bit of Santa Claus, a little bit of magic in them. So, I didn't pick any insurance companies or semiconductor companies. I'm picking things that would really catch a child's imagination. And then the third and final trait shared by these five companies is that none of them is named Disney. Because as I said last year, you really already should have given that to your kids. That's too obvious an idea. And obviously, good idea. So, none of these five was Disney. So, five stocks a year later, have they done? All right. Well, I'll begin by saying that the S&P 500 over the last year is up 20%. So, pinch yourself. What an outstanding year it has been for investors. None of this should ever expect the market to go up 20% or more in any given year. But that's exactly what happened since last December 7th till now. And let's go over these stocks alphabetically. First one was Apple. And Apple a year ago was at 110. And as of this week, it's trading at 176. So Apple is up 57%. That's right. Basically, the world's largest company, which you would think the world's largest company couldn't have a move that size. It couldn't outperform the S&P 500 by 37 percentage points in a year in which the S&P went up 20 It couldn't possibly do that well, could it? And the answer is, yes, it could. It did. What a great year it was for Apple. And it's not like they had to invent any brilliant new product category. I didn't hear of any... I mean, the Apple Watch is sort of an oncoming thing, but more more iPhone, more iPad. The Apple Car hasn't shown up yet. Um, The iPhone X is a pretty cool phone, and AirPods, I noted, are sold out. You can't really get them if you're trying to send them last second to somebody for Christmas. So, Apple's doing extremely well, but really just on the back of the innovation that it has already spawned worldwide over the last 10 or 15 years. So, thus much for our first stock, Apple. Stock number two, probably as close as it gets to Santa Claus for me personally this Christmas, that would be Amazon. I was joking with Fool colleagues earlier today talking about how why don't they just have their drones drop the boxes down our chimneys? That would be even easier and more convenient. We were also talking about the idea not just of a, like a dog door or a pet door, but if drones get popular enough and they're not yet, wouldn't you just consider having a little drone door where the drone could just fly in and deposit it right on your front hall floor? Um, so, yeah, Amazon. Amazon a year ago, $777 a share, as we talked about it, and put it under the tree. Today, it's at 1190 It's been a great year for Amazon. Stock's up 55%. So, Apple up 57 Amazon up 55 
No complaints in either case. And happy, happy kids who would get those stocks and watch them go here over the last year. Stock number three. Sticking with the A's. Activision Blizzard, ticker symbol ATVI, a year ago. Activision Blizzard, I will mention right now that Activision Blizzard is the best performing of these five. A year ago, Activision Blizzard was at 37.5 as we did the podcast. And now, looking back one year from that special moment where we found those shares under, under our tree, Activision's gone from 37.5 to 66. So it's a gain of 76 percentage points. Again, friends, many people are schooled to believe. That you can't beat the stock market averages. That would just be luck. It's all monkeys throwing darts out there. It's not really possible. It's not worth the time to individually select individual shares. Just take the gentleman C, so called, take the index fund or your SP 500 ETF. Well, I'm glad we didn't do that with Activision Blizzard because it outperformed the market by 56 percentage points. And Activision Blizzard has had some big hits as a business. Overwatch remains such a big video game franchise for Activision Blizzard. I've played a lot of Hearthstone in 2017. I really enjoyed the most recent edition of Cards that came out just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I love Activision Blizzard of the five. Yes, I use Amazon more. Yes, I think I use Apple more. Statistics are alarming in terms of those of us who have phones, how often we touch them over the course of a day. So, yes, Apple and Amazon probably are a little bit more intimate and frequent for me, but Activision, probably of these five, Gives me the most fun. Stock number four. Well, this stock started at $118 a year ago. It's at $181 today. It's up 53%. Wow. All four of these so far up 50% or more. This company, ticker symbol FB, is Facebook. And at least for me, in direct contrast to how often I use Apple and Amazon, I'm not on Facebook. I bet you are, though. So many people are, and I'm assuming that you're there because you enjoy it. And while sometimes we hear about how there are privacy concerns or there's some big brother out there or fake news, a lot of those questions and some debate about some of these companies. Is Facebook getting too powerful? These kinds of questions. I think it's a great company. It's a great company to work for. It does really special things in this world. It's a real net positive. Social media and the leadership that Facebook has shown for global social media. I'm very proud and happy to be invested in it personally. And if you put this one under the tree from 118 to 181, that was a great 2017. So, season's greetings, fools. Facebook has been a big winner. All right, I'm getting ready to start getting my guests on the line as we talk about the year that will be 2018. But before I do that, our fifth and final stock. Now, of the five, this was the real disappointment. This is the laggard. This is the company that underperformed the other four. And it's Netflix. And you might think, well, didn't Netflix have a pretty good year? I mean, wasn't it a great year for Netflix? And I'm happy to say, yes, it was an awesome year for Netflix. Netflix a year ago was at 125. Today it's at 190. Netflix was up 52% in 2017. I never take even a 20% gain in any of my stocks for granted. But for Netflix to have risen again above 50% itself, there are so many Motley Fool members who own that stock. Actually, all five of these stocks are so broadly owned across Fooldom. And I don't just mean US domestic Fooldom, I mean fools worldwide, that I am so delighted to think that these five stocks went under the tree a year ago. All right, so there you have it, fellow fools. 
I'm not going to bother doing the final math on these. You can average it out yourself if you like. But with Apple up 57%, Amazon up 55%, Activision up 76%, Facebook up 53%, and Netflix up 52%, I hope you can agree with me that these would have been, and maybe were, great gifts to give, whether it's children in your life, siblings, uncles and aunts, whoever it is, grandparents. You can give stock to your grandparents. These are great ways to give gifts. And while 2018, not to foreshadow, is unlikely to be nearly that good, I'm happy to say that each of these was picked for the next five plus years because we don't give gifts when we give Category 3 gifts that grow in value over time. We don't give gifts for one hot year. We give them for the real riches that come 5, 10, and 15 years beyond. And to get kids aimed in the right direction as early as possible with stories around why you pick these stocks and why they're great companies, um, I like each of these just as much for the next five years as I did the last one year. And so, we close out this, the seventh five-stock sampler review. You might remember some of the others. Five stocks for five years, that's the first one I ever did. Or five overlooked companies at Motley Fool Rule Breakers. Or our third one was five supernova stocks I liked right then. Next was five winners in a thinking world. Or the Brexit-inspired stock list. Or five low-risk stocks for the next year. Or finally, these five stocks to put under the tree. I'm happy to say we're now seven for seven beating the market. And this one seriously whacked the market. And I hope you know I'm not nearly that good. It's just been a really great year for these kinds of companies. So let's say goodbye for now to 2017. And let's start thinking about 2018. And maybe that thinking should include. 23andMe. That's right. This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by 23andMe. And this holiday, give your friends and family the ultimate personalized gift. That's a DNA kit from 23andMe. They can learn about their genetic ancestry, their inherited traits, and even information about their health. What other gift can do all that? So, this holiday, give a gift that is as unique as the ones you love with 23andMe. Now, through December 26th, get up to $50 off each kit when you go to 23andMe.com slash fool. And as a customer myself, I really have appreciated 23andMe since I first signed up and got my DNA kit about five or six years ago. And now I'm really delighted to welcome three longtime friends and fellow fools, people that I've known for at least five, if not 15 or 25 years. And each of these talented people is a contributor to not just lots of things at The Motley Fool, but more specifically to Motley Fool Supernova, the series that brings together all of my rule breaker picks, all of my stock advisor picks, and um, creates real money portfolios and other educational experiences for our members. So, each of these three people I work with on Motley Fool Supernova, but they do a lot more than just that. Let me start by welcoming Rick Munares. Now, Rick is the person that I've known longest on our panel. Rick, you and I have known each other for, is it I think it's more than 20 years now. It would be, yeah. I think 20, I think 1996, uh, uh, 95, 95 is when I started. I think 96, 97 is when I met, caught up with you in Orlando. So, so yeah, I guess I'm the scarecrow in this uh, Wizard of Oz trip that you meet me first. So, <laughs> and Rick, you you are uh, the leader of our Phoenix Two mission. You're also one of the most published and beloved writers on Fool.com. You've contributed so much in terms of free content that The Motley Fool puts out there every day. And, of course, we work together on Motley Fool Rule Breakers. So, I wanted to start with you, Rick. Rick, as you think about 2018, what stocks or trends or market thoughts might you have in mind? 
I'm going to state an obvious trend, and, and I guess it's that streaming media, and more specifically streaming video, uh, is in the infancy uh, at this point. I mean, it seems like a week does not go by that we don't hear. I mean, what first started off as Netflix, then Amazon Prime Video, and then Hulu. Uh, you know, just a couple of days ago, we had T-Mobile saying they're going to have a revolutionary television service. Uh, it seems that this is always happening. Uh, and I see 2018 playing out. I mean, obviously, Disney is going to be having an ESPN service, and then 2019, a Disney-branded service. Uh, so I think it's it, while there's going to be an inevitable shakeout, I think it's going to be a very good time for, for streaming media in general. Uh, and I think it, it's, it's, we're going to be consuming television in a completely different way. If you still have a cable or satellite television subscription, I think you may look at that like you looked at a landline or a rotary phone uh, um, you know, five, seven years ago that I think it will be just kind of like this change where instead of a, of a cable television bundle, you're going to say, well, instead of, you know, instead of having this big bundle, I'm going to have Netflix, Hulu, and, and, and CBS All Access, and that's what, that's what I'm going with. Uh, and I think that that's going to be a big trend, and all the companies that, that are in here, uh, there will be a shakeout, of course, but I think a lot of the companies that can stand to, to, to cash in, uh, the Roku's of the world, the Netflix is the category leader. I think they will continue to do well in 2018. And Rick, do you think, I, I wonder about this world awash in content, which is kind of one of the things that I think about, um, both in the present and in the future. It's a great problem to have, um, but between all of the different streaming options and all of the money um, that Hollywood is taking in to create even more streaming stuff across ever more channels. How do you think, how do you personally deal with it as a consumer? And how do you, generalizing about people like you, how are we going to act? How much stuff are we going to stream? Obviously, times have changed. I mean, you and I are about the same age. So we grew up as kids when, when, when everyone saw, you know, who shot JR on Dallas and the, the final episode of MASH. Everyone, <laughs> I mean, everybody saw these things. Uh, we different different times now. We, if, uh, we're not watching Stranger Things at the same time. Uh, we're not all watching the same Rick and Morty episodes at the same time. Uh, so I think there's there's it's it's it, yes yeah, definitely a new dynamic. It's not the kind of stuff that you can go into the office cooler and say, hey, uh, this is what's happening now because someone will be four or five episodes ahead of you or doesn't care about it at all. Uh, but I think just like everything else, just like the internet itself, that it's just so many options. Uh, eventually, we'll adjust, we'll adapt, and the fact that it'll be customized and tailored will be better for it in the long run. It's, it's, it's different than everything that we've experienced before, but I think it's very exciting that, that, that my wife and I can be watching this obscure uh, a Spanish uh, telenovela that no one's watching, none of my friends are watching, uh, but it's our own little world, and I think that there's money to be made, and, and, and content will last longer, and even older content will continue to be more valuable. And then going at things from a slightly different angle, thinking about 2018, Rick, I'm conscious that I'm talking to the person who's made the two best stock picks in Rule Breaker, Motley Fool Rule Breakers history. You picked NetEase in 2004. We maintain that active recommendation. You picked it $11.68. It's about $360 last I checked. That's a 31 bagger. This next best pick is Baidu. And Baidu is up 28 times since you picked it in 2006. So we've held those positions 10 plus years, been greatly rewarded for it. It's classic foolish investing. Rick, those are both Chinese companies. So it's kind of fun to just think about that. I remember back in those years, people were really doubting the idea of investing in Chinese stocks, questioning the books themselves. Can we even trust their financial statements, let alone how their how their government might act? And we've been rewarded for taking those risks. Do you have any thoughts either about international companies or about rule breakers? Since we're talking about rule breakers here, individual rule breakers you're looking at in 2018. I think China is definitely still in the early stages. I know that we 
you know, a stock as big as Alibaba can double this year. Uh, um, and we've had, obviously, Netties and Baidu have had amazing 2017. Uh, but, uh, you know, even some of our smaller stocks in our scorecard, the 51 Jobs, the recently added Momo, uh, which we added back in May, uh, these are stocks that may not be getting the same kind of attention, but they're growing and, and they're gaining a market and they're, and they're actually, you know, making waves. So I think, uh, I mean, obviously, I'd like to think that maybe India uh, could be the new China, but I don't think it's at that advanced level uh, where this widening middle class is that we're finding in China right now. Uh, so I think there's still some opportunities in China, uh, some opportunities in Latin America, of course, uh, where Mercado Libre has served us so well over the years. Uh, but I think for the most part, uh, um, sticking to China and Latin America will be the, you know, there are other emerging markets out there, but I'd rather stick to the ones that I know have the right catalyst in place, catalyst in place to keep going. Excellent. Thank you, Rick. Next, I want to welcome in Sarah Goddard. Sarah, I've worked with, first got to know her through Motley Fool Rule Breakers 10-plus years ago. Sarah has served uh, as a Motley Fool Rule Breaker analyst at different points. More recently, she works with the Odyssey One Real Money Mission in Motley Fool Supernova, which has been a market beater, to say the least. Sarah, you dropped me a note earlier this year, and you said you know, you thought biotech would be pretty big this year, and you were also talking about it being a great year for rule breakers. At the time, you were predicting we would have two companies up 200% or more, seven up 100% or more, and 30 up 50% or more. That was pretty bold to say back in March of this year. Turns out we've exceeded, I believe we've exceeded those numbers across all of them. But Sarah, I thought I have to have Sarah in because she was talking about biotech really before it heated up, and it's been a tremendous year for biotech. I'm not trying to ask you how biotech's going to be in 2018, Sarah. You can go there if you want. But how are you thinking about 2018 these days? Hey, David, it's been a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I mean, it's like we don't talk all the time, so it's great. Um, I guess if you're about the same age as Rick, that means we're all about the same age. Yep. So 2018 is a big year for me because it's um, my 50th birthday. So um, I think, you know, you get some perspective on things. And I, the reason I was saying that biotech would do so well and rule breakers in general would do so well this year, and I was making these huge predictions, was because of how poorly they had done and not necessarily um, falling 80% or something, but just kind of, you know, sleeping, like uh, not really moving very much in their stock price, not the mm-hmm. kind of thing that everybody is saying, oh, these are amazing, we have to have these. And it doesn't mean the companies weren't growing or they weren't proceeding in um, trials, et cetera. One company which was a big winner for you and for us in Supernova Odyssey was um, – Odyssey One was Bluebird Biotech. And what happened with them is that they had all kinds of great news. They cured one person of sickle cell. They were also working on um, some cancer cures, and they were working on beta T. And uh, as they were working on all this stuff, you know, the price goes up and up as people go, oh, my goodness, they're creating cures. And then they get some bad news. And then everyone starts assuming, oh, everything's bad news. But at some point in time, everything, um, they've meanwhile continued to grow, continue to work. And then your next time that you have a success, you're compared against your recent failure or considered underperformance. Hmm. So, um, so the comparison looks so much better. So that's why I think um, if I had to make any sector guesses for the year, um, I would say that we should be paying a lot of attention to consumer discretionary 
and um, restaurants. I mean, these kind of things have been dragging along the bottom of our um, portfolios performance. The bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for example, Chipotle, of course, has other issues going on. But all the more reason that as those things become a tailwind, and then we also see that um, there, you know, we have all these other factors that are coming into play, which I would say is we have this unbelievable strength in the um, American economy and the world economy. As more people go to work, then more people go to lunch, and everybody goes to lunch, and then they go to everywhere. And so all the restaurants start doing better. Um, I mean, I, I tend to look very closely at specific names that people have forgotten, and they forget why, um, you know, maybe the profits have been hindered for a while. Like mm-hmm. uh, uh, Nuvasive is a rule breaker of yours. And um, Nuvasiv uh, announced December 10th of 2015 that they were going to take 24 months to roll out a new manufacturing facility in West Carrollton, Ohio. Now, this is 24 months later. So, but you've had 24 months of having increased spending related to this new factory. Now, there have been delays, and we're talking about finishing this up first quarter of next year, but it's long enough that people kind of forget, and they forget all of the good news about um, the company or about the other growth, and then you have something come into play like that spending goes away and you have um, cost benefits. So I'm watching them for that reason. I did want to say, um, it, working with a team that is so different from me, um, I really had my eyes opened up to eSports, and, uh, which when Rick was talking about NetEase, that's, they're very much involved in um, eSports. They're a very big position in there. And so... There are things like that that are going to continue on. You know, it's still not the kind of thing that grandma and grandpa are talking about at the dinner table or at mm-hmm. Christmas mm-hmm. with everyone else. <laughs> so it's growing like crazy, and it's huge, but it's not, it's not like everyone's talking about it yet. Sarah, before I welcome in Simon Erickson, our third guest, I want to ask you, you mentioned earlier this year to me over Slack which is one of our sponsors. I'll be talking about Slack very shortly, but you, you mentioned you and I hadn't talked much. That's right, over the phone or a podcast, not for years, but on Slack, we do actually keep up. And you slacked me in March that you went back to school in computer science. And uh, how, what was the motivation and what have you been learning here in 2017? Um, well, the motivation was, as I mentioned, I'm turning 50 this coming year. And in my family, people lived to about 100, so I figured I was halfway through, and if I wanted to do something different, now was the time to do it. So um, I, I was really into computers when I was younger, because mm-hmm. I didn't know any better. It just was, you know, my dad had brought a mainframe at home. We had a Wang computer at home. That is old <laughs> school. So I know. So I taught myself to program in basic when I was 10 and all that kind of thing, but we have so much farther to go as someone who's aging myself and I'm friends with or related to many people who are much older than me. I know that there are a lot of um, weaknesses with what we have right now. And by that, I mean, you know, phones are both too big and too small. You can't really see (laughs) anything very well. I'm really looking forward to holograms and all that kind of stuff. And I really want to emphasize that whatever you hear about it's usually, if it's a brand new thing, it's usually not too late to get involved in finding out what that's about. And, for
for example, we were talking several years ago about 3D printing and 3D scanning, and um, you know there were specific companies to invest in, but we're really seeing companies um, still just starting to use these new technologies for um, Natus Medical Baby, for example, has a um, they own a hearing aid company and. Still today, most people get their hearing aids fitted by having stuff globbed in their ears, just mm. like you'd have that glop in your mouth if you take a mold of your mouth for any sort of um, dental work. Right. So they've just started moving into the 3D scanning for dental, and this is Autometrics is the only one that is scanning your ear for the ear canal to get to 3D scan your ear canal so it actually works. So the old way took weeks. And it was really um, not very consistent. So you hear about something, and it might be the hot new thing, but those hot new things, if they really are hot new things, they're not going away later. It just sounds, you know, people kind of forget about it. And I think we're still seeing 3D printing and 3D scanning and um, the online streaming. I think I'm very excited about Disney, and you and Rick were talking about stuff like that. So. I would say that those areas of artificial intelligence, machine learning, were still so early. Mm. And um, so I think we're going to see it affect every single company in every single sector. Point well taken and well made. Yeah, you're right. We often do think ahead of the world, and we start to get our, our money invested in these companies. And sometimes we're really well rewarded for that as the world comes our way over the next 10 years. Sometimes we're in three, five years too early, and we just have to be more patient. So, appreciate you pointing that out. Now, I want to introduce Simon Erickson. Simon oversees the Motley Fool Explorer service. And Motley Fool Explorer, Simon, I believe that if people are ready to act now, based on what you're saying, Motley Fool Explorer is open for business to Wednesday midnight. So we're not we're not creating an act now scenario for our listeners, but since it does only open a few times a year, this is an opportunity. If somebody's hearing the podcast, downloading it the day of, and listening to you, and are impressed, I think that they can go sign up for Motley Fool Explorer right now. Am I right? That is absolutely correct, David. Motley Fool Explorer, you know, you and I, we go out and we look at some developing trends that are out there that are interesting for investors. And the companies they can actually invest in, we are tomorrow going to be releasing the top stock that we have to start 2018. So if you want to check that out, please feel free to to take a look at Motley Fool Explorer right now. And Simon, with Motley Fool Explorer, every month we're looking at a trend and taking four of the stocks from our supernova universe and having a talented group of analysts and thinkers, we call them supernauts, vote on which one will be the best performing stock in the subsequent three years. We put money behind that. It's been another good year for Explorer. I was noticing in particular the race to self-driving cars, which you and the team covered in February of this year, Simon, that resulted in NVIDIA, and that was a good moment for Motley Fool Explorer. Yes, absolutely, David. We had a great pick with that one, but we've also looked at some really neat stuff during the past year. I mean, you mentioned self-driving cars back in February. We looked at Bitcoin back in June. We looked at biotech, like Sarah was mentioning, in July. And we've more recently looked at robotics in China. So we've got some really cool trends that we're taking a look at and trying to figure out where the money is going to be captured. And I've got a new trend for you here today, David, that I wanted to say is my, uh, the thing that's on my radar for 2018 for the coming year for you. Mm-hmm. Go. Uh, to tie this to tie this back to but to what Rick was saying about the most watched content on TV, and also what Sarah was saying about the hot new thing. Let's go back to when man first stepped on the moon. Probably the most viewed 
thing on TV of all time, and my new trend is actually going to be what I'm going to call the space economy. This is actually business, commercial business that's happening in outer space. And today, that's just a collection of basically the defense industry and consumer television. You're seeing things like DirecTV or Dish Network that's actually beaming from satellites down to dishes on your home for television. But we're seeing a whole lot of investment, commercial investment right now, going to space startups because they're really trying to build out what we're calling the space economy. And I think that next year, we're really going to see a concerted push into using satellite constellations for the telecom industry. Uh, this is kind of what we've always joked about as the, you know, can you hear me now, you know, commercials that you're hearing all the time. It's, it's basically we don't get great receptions on cellular networks, and you're starting to see satellite operators using those for the telecoms. Hmm. And I think that that's going to be a thing of the past that you get spotty reception for telecommunications. And then a step beyond that, which is going to be the next step on this too, is not just going to be using it for communications over, over cellular phones, but for actually using satellites to, to broadcast global broadband Internet. This is a very small industry today, but it's something that's really growing in size. Uh, I think that this is something that we have to pay attention to as investors. We saw $3 billion of funding going to space startups last year. Average deal size is up, and you're starting to hear a little bit of chatter about reusable rockets, the cost of space coming down, and solutions to a lot of the problems, like the debris problem that we have up there. And I think that this is really just going to kickstart an entire new industry that we're going to call the space economy. I love it. I, I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's already happening somewhat, isn't it, Simon? We're building. You're building on. You're seeing a trend really grow that has started with. Well, let's say SpaceX, Elon Musk's company that starts as a private company taking over some of NASA's previous business and contracts, and that's just the beginning. It, it absolutely is, David. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is going to be, apparently SpaceX, like you mentioned, has already got a contract from two private individuals to go around the moon and back in 2018 for an undisclosed amount of money. I'm kind of curious if you're one of those two, David, or if it's somebody else. <laughs> it's definitely not me. Now, I can't dispel the rumors that it might be my brother Tom, but keep going, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out who it was eventually, I suppose. The other interesting thing is really when you think about satellites beaming into remote areas of the world, very high-speed Internet, this is not just a, a local phenomenon anymore where you have cities and urban areas that have high-speed Internet. This can be developing economies, you know, Africa, Southeast Asia, either very northern or very southern parts of the world now getting the same broadband connection that you and I are getting in our office right now. And that kind of begs the question of how is this going to impact the world's business? You know, are you going to see companies like Facebook and Google that have just built out these giant platforms become the Internet experience for the developing world? Or are you going to start seeing more developing countries um, kind, of, kind of start their own regional monopolies, uh, many of which Ruth as has recommended for, for rule breakers, just get stronger as you get more and more people connected across the world. Interesting statistic, David, only about 50% of the world's population today has access to high-speed Internet. And so when you really think about adding an additional potentially 3.5 billion people uh, to the Internet-connected global economy, the outcome could be absolutely astounding. Mm, I agree. All right. Well, as I was just mentioning with Sarah, thanks to Slack for supporting our podcast. Slack is a messaging app which brings all your team's communication together, giving everyone a shared workspace where conversations are organized and accessible. Slack connects the tools and services that you need in one place. Slack allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, 
group file sharing, and searchable archives, all in one easy-to-use app. In fact, we use it here at The Motley Fool. I use it every day, and I was just thinking about how we've gotten to tap into Sarah, who's in Arizona, Simon, who's in Texas, and Rick, who's in Florida, and we were slacking with each other to make this podcast in part possible. So, Slack helps us save time, improves productivity across any geographical boundaries. No more searching through emails for that one follow-up or searching through multiple systems to find out what you're looking for. Slack is easy, it's convenient, works everywhere you go with mobile apps for iOS and Android that sync seamlessly so you can always pick up where you left off no matter where you are. Slack, where work happens. Find out why at slack.com. All right, that's a nice kind of overview. And now I want to just go back quickly to each of you and hear about maybe a couple of stocks that you have in mind that are worth looking at. It doesn't mean that you're a bull or a bear. It might be interesting to hear one or two that you think might be overrated as we enter 2018. And of course, we're not making stock calls here for 2018. That doesn't make a lot of sense because we just never know how the market will be in 2018. But thinking forward, let's say three to five years from 2018, Rick, I want to start with you. What are a couple of companies that you're going to let us know we should be looking at and we'll get smarter by watching them? I mean, right off the bat, a more recent rule breakers recommendation, uh, a Teladoc, uh, which is a company, ticker symbol TDOC, that it is actually revolutionizing the way healthcare is, is administered. Not necessarily, you know, and it doesn't cover all bases, uh, but clearly the telemedicine, the fact that you can have a virtual doctor, just if it's something like, hey, I think I have the flu or, or I think I have strep throat or, or hey, I, you know, I, I think, I think I twisted my knee or something, uh, something as simple as, as uh, that can be done a lot cheaper than conventional uh, treatments and having to wait in offices uh, at the cost savings of hundreds of dollars per visit uh, relative to what insurers have to pay through a non-other thing, uh, through any other conventional uh, healthcare platform. I think it's a win-win. I think Teladoc uh, is a company that uh, it's still small. Uh, it's still underutilized even by the 20-some million people that are on the platform. Uh, but I think in time, it's, it's something that's going to catch on uh, more than just the, the 1.4 million people that, that, that visits that it will actually service this year. I think it's, a, it's something, an exciting uh, market uh, that's going to grow. And, and it's just, how can it not at a time when healthcare costs are under fire? And this is one easy way uh, mm-hmm. to cost for some preventative uh, of visits and, and, and simple diagnostics and even some uh, mental health uh, aspects of it uh, that can be actually covered that way. Um, I think some other stacks uh, that, that I'm excited about within the Supernova universe, within the Rule Breakers universe specifically, uh, uh, I'm, I'm still excited about Camping World, uh, which is a company that has sort of grown, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't necessarily hit it out of the gate right when it became a Rule Breaker, uh, but it's the leader in, in RV market and it has it's, it's, it's consolidated the sector that's ripe for consolidation. Uh, and I think, and, and as a third stack, I'll, I'll go with the dark horse, uh, one that I know is not a very favorite amongst uh, many of my fellow uh, fools and fellow breakers and fellow supernovans. Uh, but I think a Pandora is a good candidate to bounce back in 2018. I think the stock uh, has gotten hammered. Um, it's out of favor. It's stagnant. Its user base is stagnant, but it has still has 73 million people, active listeners on the platform. It's still a company that uh, is still in demand. I mean, SiriusXM Radio wanted to pay $15 a share for Pandora uh, last summer, mm-hmm. in the summer of 2016, uh, and now the stock is trading for a third of that price. Uh, so I think uh, I think there's an upside potential here for a fact that this company either it gets bought out in 2018 or it finds a way to turn things around and appreciate on its own. 
uh, I think it's a, it's a stock that I think uh, wouldn't surprise me uh, as being one of our biggest losers of 2017 becomes one of our biggest winners of 2018. Mm, Teladoc, Camping World, and Pandora. There's a motley mix of different businesses, but yes, rule breakers all. Thank you, Rick. Sarah, what's on your mind? I would say one of the stocks I've had my eye on that's been in the sleeping phase is Zillow. It went through um, a, f- a few years of digesting um, their acquisition of Trulia. They had some litigation. They had a number of different things going on. And meanwhile, the stock is up somewhat this year, I think 18%. But in such a great year, that puts it as not a great performer this year. But I think we're really going to see um, it doing a lot better just because the stock hasn't moved as much and it's continued to grow and it's uh, – Earnings per share has grown, and they we're going to be um, anniversarying the the quarters that they had some negative earnings per share. So mm. that profit is then going to surprise some people. I think um, I, so. I think that with people actually working, more people working, and um, the economy doing better, I think we're going to see really um, restaurants doing really well. And I think that Chipotle, for example, has one of the highest tax rates out there. So I think that a company like that, which is so hated by so many people, and it really, um, I've seen some arguments uh, within the fool, back and forth, and not just in the fool outside about, is this a sell? Is this a buy? People don't know if they like it or not. I think Chipotle is going to do well. And I think some of the other restaurants are all going to do well. And um, if I had to choose, so those are, I would say Zillow and Chipotle and then um, if I have to choose three to five years out, I would say I know they're near highs or they're at highs, but I think that Activision, NetEase, Take-Two, Electronic Arts, I think that um, we've only just begun the whole eSports. Mm. So we're going to see a lot of that. Oh, I'm going to throw in one more. Great. Because I think that Disney, Disney, I think, is very interesting. And I think people, especially if they don't have young kids, don't fully understand how unbelievable their streaming service is going to be. And that's not just next year. I think it's coming 2019. That's right. So, But I think it's going to be a really interesting competitor in that area. Outstanding, Sarah. Thank you. Zillow, Chipotle, NetEase, and the other esports video game companies, and Disney as well. Thank you, Sarah. And Simon, let me go to you. That are on my radar are, are 2U and iRobot, both because I think that both of them have got a really huge market potential and runway ahead of them, and also a really good management team that's leading them into that. 2U is, a lot of people like to say, disrupting the traditional education market. It's allowing for graduate education courses with accredited universities that are already in place to be offered over the Internet. So, David, your alma mater, UNC, my alma mater, Rice University, are both listed as customers and clients of 2U. We work with them over 10-year periods and allow students to actually take the classes remotely over the Internet rather than having to move your family. It's a great value proposition for graduate education, and they're capturing even more than 50% of the tuition dollars. I really like the model, and I really like um, considering that there's more than than 2,000 four-year universities within the United States alone, so big opportunity there. And then iRobot is, is kind of providing consumer robots. It's really good that you've seen... The Roomba, which is the self, um, the automated vacuum cleaner for your home, I'm starting to see those on the shelves of Lowe's and Home Depot, and I think that's representative of the elasticity of, of cost and demand for this, these products. You're starting to see them in consumer 
price points that are that are affordable, and yet there's just a demand kicking off. So I think that that's going to produce a lot more profits now that this is actually affordable for the for the mass market. The other thing that's really interesting is because now these robots are connected to the internet, um, they're really training them to do a good job. And so one thing to remember about iRobot is they're not selling the products so much as they're selling the solutions. And I think this company that has its roots with working with the Defense Department, sniffing out bombs, and has just built over 20 years of expertise in the technology, has got a huge leg up on a lot of those other competitors you're seeing entering this hot market. But I think they're a step ahead of them. We've got to keep our eye on iRobot going forward. All right. Well, that was a pretty outstanding view across the waterfront from Rick talking about a company like Camping World, the recreational vehicle leader, to Sarah mentioning Zillow, which is also a stock I like a lot, which is keeping track of home prices all across Google Maps these days, right through to Simon talking about 2U, which is a company that I like a lot with its CEO, Chip Pawsek, I think a very fine leader for that company, and so many others in between. So, thank you very much, team, for covering 15 different compelling and, I think, very fine companies, the work that they're doing in the world, and the work they've done for us as investors. Let me close by just asking, does any of you want to make an either an offbeat prediction or want to talk 2018 outside of the stock market in the world at large? Is anybody feeling anything? I am, David. I have a contrarian RB, rule breaker, contrarian supernova prediction for 2018. Go! And I think it's that uh, I mean, I think we, I mean, I think all four of us are pretty much on board with the with the narrative that the mall is dying, uh, and that and that traditional stores are going out, and e-commerce is the way. And I get that, um, but uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, ProShares, uh, the big ETF company, they rolled out a, a, an ETF called "Decline of the Retail M- Retail Store." So it's basically ProShares decline of the retail store. Ticker symbol EMTY, so it's a clever MT uh, uh, referring to the malls, and it's basically uh, it's basically the equivalent of shorting uh, the uh, brick and uh, it's a brick and mortar uh, uh, store index. So it's okay. basically it's for the lactic pro shares, brick and mortars, a retail surrounding. And to me, that sounds like uh, just like you would say something like a top, uh, like it's it's almost like that's like a sign of too much. Uh, enthusiasm for one way. I think that's too much enthusiasm for the death of retail. And and as we're recording this, a uh, Best Buy, uh, a gap of all uh, things, five below, which is one of uh, one of our recommendations. Yes. Uh, and and even a Dollar General, they're all hitting 52-week highs. So there are retailers out there that are not dying. There are retailers that are figuring it out. And I think uh, well, I think the long-term trend is inevitable that that the malls will be an emptier place, and then they'll shift to whatever is working and whatever needs to happen. I think that this whole narrative that that the mall is dead and the retailers are all going to zero, uh, at least for 2018, is going to take a breather because there's just too much, uh, uh, too many people are saying the exact same thing now where they're rolling out an ETF uh, to cash in on that. Um, so I would I would short the ETF uh, if I could short someone that's shorting something and bet on the the fact that the retailers uh, at least will have one year to bounce back before you know give another year or two before they croak. Mm. Thank you, Rick. Sarah, Simon, either of you feeling anything? My non-stock market prediction is that we will finally have an interesting volcano this year. And uh, seven years ago, Iceland had one of their minor volcanoes blow, and it upset travel. Um, Kurt Priceline, for example, um, was a great time to invest in Priceline. Mm-hmm. And right now, we just had Bali had a volcano that um, started spewing, and it looked like it was going to really endanger the area. 
but it looks like there are going to be some volcanoes in Iceland again, and that's going to make things very interesting over there. We'll see lots of interesting investing opportunities if we see one of these volcanoes actually throw off enough um, dirt and gases and everything else like that, that that it obscures the skies for a while. So I'm saying there will probably be a volcano this year. We'll be looking and ducking. Thank you, Sarah. Simon? <laughs> David, I'm going to make the reckless prediction that we're going to find out that your brother, Tom Gardner, has indeed hired SpaceX <laughs> and that he will publish a, Mar- a Motley Fool podcast from the surface of the moon. <laughs> That is indeed That's my reckless prediction. That is a that seems fairly uh, likely to me, Simon. <laughs> I, I think that uh, in addition to that, my investing recommendation is, is just keep an eye on, on China. Um, the, the country is really interested in, in increasing the number of patents per capita uh, within the companies that are that are that are domiciled there, and I think that that's going to have some profound impacts on both biotech and the world of artificial intelligence. So keep an eye on China. I think they're doing some cool cool things right now. I want to thank Rick, Sarah, and Simon for their time and their insights, and an excellent year. Thank you each respectively for the good work you've contributed to Motley Fool Supernova and Fooldom writ large. And it's a, on a personal side note, I enjoy each of you as a friend, and thank you for taking the time to spend some time with us here at the end of 2017. All right, so there's a little bit of thinking for you, get you thinking about 2018 after this great year of 2017 for investors. You know, Sarah mentioning volcanoes reminds me, maybe you knew this, the longest word in any of the major English language dictionaries includes those seven letters somewhere in the middle of that word. I'm going to attempt to pronounce this word right now for you on air. It's a word, by the way, that refers to a lung disease contracted from the inhalation of very fine silica particles, specifically from a volcano. Uh, Medically, it's the same as silicosis, which I don't really know what that is, but here's the word Numano Ultra Microscopic Silico Volcano Coniosis, which by my schoolboy math, I think is 45 letters long. So there you have it. All right. Next week, our final podcast of the year. It is our Rule Breaker Investing Mailbag. Now, we're going to be taping that one this week so that Rick and I can take some time off. Although we've always published a new podcast every single week of every year that we've been doing this, and we'll keep that up. But I'm going to ask your special help this week to drop us notes, rbi at fool.com, for this mailbag right away, because I'm going to be taping on Thursday of this week. And the theme is going to be, what did you learn from Rule Breaker Investing, the podcast, here in 2017? Lessons? Great and small ideas, tips, share it out, let us know. The goal of The Motley Fool is to educate, to amuse, and to enrich. And I'm specifically thinking of that educate portion. What did you learn about yourself, the world at large, or investing from our podcast this year? I'll enjoy sharing that out on next week's closing podcast. So again, rbi at fool.com is the email address for those mailbag items. Of course, you can tweet us at rbi podcast. In the meantime, have a lovely holiday and four. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com. 